Welcome to the Virtual Chapter Podcast, the show that helps you become a world-class virtual CEO, run a profitable and scalable online business, and build a thriving virtual team. We're talking the systems, strategies, and leadership skills that will help you show up, sell out, and do it all with a mountain of ease. Each week, we'll be breaking down the operation side of online business in a way that feels fun and inspiring. We'll share tech tools and tips, systems to streamline and scale, secrets to hiring and leading your high-performing team, and interviews with leading business experts to show you what it really takes to build your business online. I'm your host, Nivek Harrison, CEO of The Virtual Chapter, an award-winning virtual support agency where we help leading coaches, consultants, and creatives build businesses bigger than themselves, create a global impact with a virtual team, and generate more cash than they ever knew possible. Are you ready to up-level your online business? Let's dive in. Virtual CEO, and better yet, what does it mean to be a world-class one? Well, my dear, you are in the right place. Welcome to episode one of the Virtual Chapter podcast. And today we are diving into what a virtual CEO is and the key skills you need to cultivate to become a truly world-class virtual CEO. The good news, there's been so much research done into what makes an exceptional CEO and it's not one size fits all. Now, to be fair, most research into CEOs and CEO behavior has been done on medium to large enterprises, and their day-to-day might look quite a bit different compared to our small businesses. But this is often what we think of when we imagine a CEO. We tend to think of that stereotypical middle-aged white male, highly educated, lives and breathes his work, is leading quite large teams, running very big businesses. Occasionally, we have these disruptive visionary types, the Steve Jobs of the world, the people with big visions, the incredible leaders, incredible communicators who can bring a movement of people with them. But again, we usually see these people as corporate types, confident, decisive, very much in their masculine energy. So what does that mean for us as majority women-owned businesses building purpose-driven small, even micro-sized businesses. I know certainly for many of our clients, they often struggle to identify with the term CEO because this is the stereotype we think of, right? And that's often the total opposite of who we are and the businesses that we're trying to build. I know certainly for myself and my peers that becoming business owners came along with or As a result of a personal development journey, we were looking for ways to be more creative, to express our feminine energies, to feel in flow, to have fun, to create flexibility and freedom. And the term CEO almost feels like the antithesis of that. So when we're talking about small or in our cases, you know, often micro businesses with teams of less than five, what does being a CEO really look like? So the first key is understanding that business ownership and leadership are two different things. One isn't more right than the other. There isn't one that's the ultimate goal. Both ownership and leadership are integral steps in the evolution and growth of our business. And understanding what stage you're at is sort of the first step on this journey. A great way to illustrate this is I think back to casual jobs I had as a teenager and some of the small businesses I worked in. You probably had really similar experiences. People who had a passion, had built a small business around them and then had found themselves leading and managing teams. 
and they were terrible at it. Oh my gosh, some of the crappy managers <laughs> I've had in corporate. This is the difference between ownership and leadership, right? And you you know this yourself, just with people that you meet, the, the interactions and experiences you've had, that some people do have what we, we think of as like born leaders, people who just have these innate leadership qualities. And in an age where anyone can start and own a business, literally all you need is an internet connection and a device. It doesn't even need to be a computer these days. You can own and run your business incredibly successfully, but becoming a leader within your business and in your industry more broadly, that requires more work, more cultivation, more nuance, um, more intention around it, right? Where we fall into business ownership um, and often even scaling our businesses in those first few years, certainly sort of that first up to that first six or even that like low multi six figure stage. It's often things that have just almost feel like they've happened to us sometimes, but transitioning to CEO to seeing yourself as a CEO is a really intentional decision. A great way to look at this is if you look at organization charts of some startups, you'll often see that their founders are no longer the CEOs of their business. So they might be founder plus chief marketing officer or founder plus chief of product development. This is a really crucial step for leaders, the ability to recognize your own strengths and skills and the skills that are complementary to your own and finding people to fill those roles. Now, does this mean you need to go out and hire a fractional CEO if leadership isn't a natural strength for you? Absolutely not. (laughs) Please don't do that. Like I said, most of us are running micro businesses with very small teams. You do not need to hire a CEO to be successful. But understanding that if you want to step into your role as the leader, as the CEO within your business, and this is true whether it's just you, you and a virtual assistant or you and a bigger team, it means recognizing that there's a transition that needs to occur from owner to leader. Much of this will be in your mindset and your approach to your business. So how do you start to step into your role as CEO? I like to think of my CEO hat as a very distinct role in my business. There are times that I need to wear it. There are times that I don't. When I am doing client work, I'm often not wearing my CEO hat. I'm working as an online business manager versus when I am making team decisions, making structural decisions, making strategy decisions, I'm very much wearing my CEO hat and operating from a place of knowing that my desires, my interests, my passions, the things that I like or dislike doing are separate from what the business needs of me as a CEO. So I often ask myself, am I making this decision as the CEO of my business? And sometimes that's all the nudge you need to that reinforcement to step into decision-making as a leader. So if our first key is recognizing our own role as leader versus owner, the second key is finding your people. Often when we talk about finding our people in business, we're thinking in terms of marketing. How do we find our audience? How do we find our clients? But as the CEO, I'm talking about finding your team. So these could be your employees, your contractors. They could be people who are on retainers or people you bring in just on a project basis. It could be your virtual assistant, an OBM, a graphic designer, a Facebook ads manager, your website maintenance, your website developers. It's also 
your coaches and your mentors? Who are the people that you are seeking advice from? Who are the people that you are listening to and trusting as you go on your business journey? It's also in in finding your people as a micro small business owner, it's also your partner, your family, your friends, your social networks. We're not going to talk too much about them today, but understanding the role that they play, we've all heard that saying of like the average of the five people you spend the most time with. It's incredibly true. So being around people who also see themselves as CEO, who also see themselves as leaders, who are running businesses, who are in, you know, perhaps it's it's leadership positions within corporate, but people who understand that that energy, the mindsets, the decision making is going to serve you really, really well. I think the reality of being a CEO is that you absolutely cannot do it all. <laughs> You shouldn't be doing it all. And surrounding yourself with the right people is instrumental to growing your business. Making the right hires at the right time is one of the things that will help you grow fastest. Um, But it's also one of the scariest things we do, particularly for the first few times. And then beyond just hiring them, knowing how to nurture, engage and lead your team is really critical to your business success because Unengaged teams don't last very long. You might find that you're going through contractors really quickly or you're just not getting the results that you want from your team or things just feel harder than they should. And this is this is a real element of leadership is being able to, to step back and observe the way that the team, again, if we think of the team as an, an, an entity within the business, how the team is functioning, how the team is you know, working towards projects, how they're feeling, how they're showing up. And I think the magic in business is in long-term relationships. Um, And it's something that I've seen spoken a lot about this year. And I think it's a really important point is that often in the early stages of business, we're almost like really flighty, very shiny object syndrome. And I am like hand up the first to admit this. The first few years of my business, I was very shiny object syndrome. This strategy looks good. They've launched a course. I want to do a course. They have a membership. I want to do a membership. Oh, I really like the way they're doing this thing or they're talking about this thing and taking in all of this information from all the places and almost ending up in that overwhelm of like, well, there's too many things to do. So you don't do anything, right? I think the magic is in long-term relationships with your coaches, with the people you choose to listen to, with your clients and also with your team, having people who are coming on board, not as a stopgap because we're making, you know, a hiring decision from a place of urgency or fear or frustration or lack, but we're making a hiring decision for somebody who's going to be with us as the business grows, as the business evolves. We're looking for people who want to be part of the team and the vision, not just somebody who wants to clock in and clock out. And we'll talk about this another time, but it's one of the things, one of the reasons that I hire contractors more than employees in our business is because certainly for virtual assistants and OBMs, I think people who are also running their own businesses make some of the best virtual assistants and OBMs versus people who are looking for an employment opportunity. Now, there is nothing wrong with being an employee. I was an employee for, you know, the first 10 years of my career. Um, And I think some people, employment is necessary. That's sort of steadiness, I guess, the the commitment of the job, the certainty, all of those things are incredibly important. But when we're talking about finding people who can show up for your business, there's a different mindset in 
a lot of people who are running their own businesses versus somebody who wants a job that they can clock in and clock out of. I often joke about how I've hired my team (laughs) and it's something I've brought with me from corporate. I am significantly less concerned with the hard skills on someone's resume. And I say resume in inverted commas because I don't expect contractors to have resumes. (laughs) I don't really care if you know how to use ConvertKit or Canva. I don't really care if you know what a funnel is. I am, I I can teach those skills, right? Like most of these skills can be taught to the right people, but I'm looking for team members who can share the vision, team members who are bringing their own energy into the role, people who share my values. That's a really important one. And so these are the things that I think are really critical to, to look for when you're building your own team is not just looking for somebody who ticks the boxes of what you think you need. It's somebody who, like I said, is going to grow with you. Somebody who wants to be with you. Somebody who is going to bring a passion and an energy to the role. Somebody who's going to care about your business almost as much as you do. That's, that's a really, it's a really rare thing, but I think it's also an incredibly important thing to look for when you're hiring your contractors or employees. I hired one of my incredible team members off TikTok. And I know Rooney will laugh at this because we joke about it often. We connected on TikTok over, of all things, oh my God, um, was a love of Harry Potter fan fiction. I know, don't judge me. This is a whole separate conversation we can have. (laughs) But we'd found each other on TikTok thanks to the algorithm. We'd messaged, we'd commented a few times, we'd messaged a few times um, before I reached out and asked if they wanted to hop on a Zoom call and meet and suggested that I might have a, a work opportunity for him. And we got on that Zoom and he's been with us ever since. Now, Do I recommend hiring strangers off social media? Not usually, (laughs) not usually, but you know when you connect with someone, right? So Rooney had no experience as a virtual assistant, but had experience in administration, in almost that sort of corporate executive assistant role, um, had been working in a small business, although different to the industries we work in, had some understanding of some of these like online tools, social media, Um, The fact that he was creating content on social media was incredibly important to me because so much of the work that we do with our clients is around social media. Um, But more importantly, they had, they had an energy about them. They had, you know, we shared some, some core values, some really big core values that were really important to both of us. He was very willing to learn. These are things that I can't train. These are things that you look for in the right people. So find your people support them, nourish them, nurture them, and they will bring it back to you and your business tenfold. Are you ready to outsource but unsure where to start? I have just the thing for you. I know it can be overwhelming trying to figure out what a virtual assistant can even do for your business. So we've created a list of over 70 tasks a VA can do specifically for online businesses. And I bet many of them you haven't even thought of yet. Start planning your first or next hire by getting super clear about what you want to outsource in your biz. Head on over to thevirtualchapter.co forward slash tasks to download your free guide now. All right, let's get back to the episode. All right, we've talked about your people. Now, it wouldn't be me if I didn't also tell you about the importance of systems. (laughs) 
one of the biggest objections I hear from people is that they don't want to have systems in their business because they want to be creative and go with the flow. And I think that's a really admirable thing. I think for some of us, it's a bit of a corporate hangover of being like told what to do for so long that we want to be able to just do what we want and and follow the inspiration, which is lovely, right? But the reality of scaling an incredibly successful and profitable business without burning yourself and your team out is having systems in place that support you. Systems are essentially the structures for organization within your business. When I talk about systems, I'm not necessarily talking about automation or complex pieces of tech, of platforms. Systems can be really, really simple. They give you the set of guidelines within which you can operate. And it's one of the things that I see the most successful CEOs that we work with do is having systems in place. They know what works for them and their business and they do it on repeat. They don't reinvent the wheel unnecessarily. They don't rely on individual memories of how things are done. And it makes them and their teams operate more efficiently and effectively. And having systems doesn't stifle creativity. In fact, I know the exact opposite to be true. Having systems in place gives us the space to be truly creative and flexible because we're not also holding all of the little steps and nitty gritty and practical things in our mind. We have essentially documented that even if it's still us that's doing it, we've we've created that system, we've documented that system, and so your brain no longer has to hold on to all of that information. And with all of that space, we get to be creative, we get to be flexible, we get to launch faster because we have systems in place. It's not like we have a system and therefore, you know, we always do a six-week launch cycle, so we have to do a six-week launch cycle. It's more like, hey, we have a system in place. I've had an idea and I want to launch, how quickly can we turn this around? Because we have the system. And that's, I've seen that to be true time and time again. The fourth and final key, and and possibly the most important one to becoming a world-class virtual CEO, is to make time to be a world-class virtual CEO. Having regular space in your calendar for CEO time is a game changer because we're usually wearing a lot of hats as business owners, right? We are doing all the things all the time. And it's very easy to become caught up in the the busyness of running a business, doing the client work, creating content, maybe playing around in the back end of our tech and our tools. All of these things fill up our time very, very quickly. Making time to not only cultivate your CEO mindset, but also do the work as CEO on your business, not just in your business, is required to grow. So this looks like setting aside time for strategic planning, for reviewing your goals and objectives and business metrics, for managing your team, both the people you have now and preparing for roles in the future, for reviewing your offers, your programs, for reviewing your client experience, what's working, what's not. Creating space in the busyness, even when it's just you to step into your CEO role, is going to give you the foundations to continue to grow. And I think when we're in early stage businesses, even mid-stage businesses, it's very easy to fill our time with client work because we have a very clear connection of if I do this work, it pays me X at the end of the month, it gets these results, my clients will love me. Um, And we almost, 
get to procrastinate on our own business, right? Because let's face it, we're talking about some big and sometimes hard tasks. Being the person who you know, can objectively review what's working and not working in your business and take the emotion out of it, take the trends out of it is, is really important. So what does this practically look like? For me, I use a 40-30-30 rule and I know this will vary based on your own business models. So for example, I obviously run an agency. So we have a huge portion of my time is spent with the team. Whereas if you are running a smaller business and it's you and a VA, you'll need less time for your team. So within that 40, 30, 30, 40% of my time is on client work. Um, I'm still, you know, I still have my own retainer clients that I do uh, an amount of work with each week. 40% of my weekly time is on client work. And I also include lead generation in that group because I now sit further down the funnel of lead generation for the agency. 30% of my time is spent on the team and business admin. And then another 30% of my time is CEO time. This is time working on the business, not in the business. This isn't me designing graphics in Canva. This isn't me creating content. This is me looking at what's working, what's not working, what are our goals, where are we looking to grow, where are our opportunities, all of these sorts of things. So I, I highly recommend having this time set aside in your calendar as a non-negotiable. So it might be that you do an hour at the start of every day is your CEO time. It's the first thing you do is focus on your business, not in your business. Or it could be that you have a day set aside a week. So maybe Monday is your CEO day. You don't do any client work on Mondays. You don't do calls. You are just very deeply in your CEO self. Find the routine that works for you and your business and then schedule it in. Having it in the calendar, having it as a non-negotiable is going to be an absolute game changer as you make that transition from business owner to CEO. So there we have it. The four keys to becoming a world-class virtual CEO. Choosing to step into your role as CEO of your business is one of the biggest mindset shifts you will make on the road to multi six or seven figures, but it's absolutely going to get you there faster compared to continuing to focus on being in your business. There's only so much work we can do in our businesses, unless you want to be working 80 hour weeks. And I am absolutely not here for that. (laughs) So putting that hat on, putting that, that, that shift in place of wanting to be the CEO of recognizing that your business is a separate entity and it needs you as the CEO to make decisions to continue to grow is 100% going to set you up for success on that road. I hope this has been super helpful for you. If it has, make sure you leave us a review and share this episode. I would also love to hear from you. So jump on over to at the virtual chapter on Instagram and send me a DM with your biggest takeaway from this episode. See you next time. 